Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I can't believe I forgot the Halloween decorations. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, which released in 1986, written and directed by Tom McLaughlin. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Tommy Jarvis, adult Tommy Jarvis now, who has decided that he must venture out and prove that Jason Voorhees is dead. During his confrontation with the corpse, he accidentally brings Jason back to life. And as Jason heads back to possibly Camp Crystal Lake, we follow Tommy as he tries to help the police department stop this evil, crazed monster. So, you just can't keep a franchise down, can nope. you? You can kill the main villain, you can have a copycat replacement killer, yep. but when the studio goes, hmm, we need more money, yes, bring back Jason. <laughs> that was the mandate for the next Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. And this time around they hired Tom McLaughlin. And I don't really know too much about this director. No, I, I didn't check his stuff. He, he'd worked on the... Or he'd go on to work on the Friday the 13th TV series oh, for a couple okay. of episodes, which okay. has nothing to do with yeah. Jason Voorhees. Yeah. He also directed, I think, a couple of episodes of uh, Freddy's Nightmares as well. Oh, so, right. So he went on to Great Heights. Well, this. I just like the fact that he's worked with Freddy <laughs> and Jason in oh, his yeah, career. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but uh, in order to secure the contract with Tom McLaughlin... Tom wanted to spruce up the Friday the 13th franchise. He wanted to add uh, another element to it. Okay. That being kind of the comedy. But right. Frank Mancuso Jr., who of course is running the, the Friday the 13th series, said, Okay, but don't take the piss out of Jason. <laughs> and Tom McGogan went, Alright, that's fine. <laughs> and so what we got here is a, is a film that's almost very meta in quite a few places. Fourth War breaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so much so that it would actually influence Kevin Williamson to go and write Scream many ah, years later. right. So I was yeah. like, you know what? This is probably, thinking about it, one of the earliest horror films I can think of that broke the Fourth War, went meta or self-referential to other horror movies. Well, wasn't there, like, I'm sure there was a reference in the first or second Friday the 13th with that old crazy man, Joe, who kind of talks to the camera at one point yeah. about the camp being cursed. Yeah, that yeah. That was, it was kind of like a little twinge, like, at the audience, be like, you're here to watch a horror movie to watch people yeah. get killed. But I think that's also just part of the fun factor yeah. of this film. Now, one thing that catches me off guard right from the get-go is just the uh, the atmospheric forest shot with the with yes. the smoke and the yeah. moonlight before yeah. we get the cemetery. I was like, oh, this is a very hammer horror approach. And apparently that was also the inspiration from the director. Nice. Who only had a budget of $3 million, but the film still earned $19 million. Yeah, that'll do it. Unfortunately, this is the first Friday the 13th movie to not gross more than 20 million. So this actually shows the drop now in income or, or earnings for this film. Well, at the same and time. at the same time, I also blame the films before this one. Right, yeah. I thought the quality started to dip drastically. It's what you, you look at what it's going up against with this. You had maybe Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or 3 around 1986. So, you know, the competition was out there, but horror... They hadn't established themselves as these franchise characters yet. You know, like I said, Jason had died, 
come back as a massive, you know, Michael Myers, you know, he'd already lost his movie in number three and he's making his comeback. So like teens wanted to go and watch horror movies, but at the same time, we weren't willing on paying for it to go to the cinema. We were going to wait for it to come out on VHS, <laughs> you know, and watch it at home with our friends. I, I had missed out on Jason Lives. Like, I think I did like two three and then I jumped to eight you know and I went to Manhattan and then I came back to one and then I came back and I like I didn't even really see this one until like it was out on DVD box set sure you know and like that was just before I watched the psychic one which we're not doing I'm just telling you right now we're not doing it um but the the like I said with this the this idea of Tommy Jarvis and his storyline you know it it kind of really makes the Jason Voorhees character or series kind of, you know, the backbone of it. Like, we've got this backstory now between yeah, these characters. because this is the third film now in, I guess, yeah, a mini trilogy of yeah. the Tommy Jarvis stories. And they did ask the actor that played Tommy in the previous film if he would reprise the role, uh, John Shepard. Uh, but he refused it because he's become a born-again Christian. Right, and He was yeah. like, I don't want to touch these horror movies anymore. I'm done done with that. So I'm really glad that uh, he kind of did that. Yeah, and, yeah. And so we end up with Tom Matthews yeah. playing Tommy. And of course, we all recognize him in Return of the Living Dead. I so it's him, really yeah. great casting here. Yeah. And, and though I'm questioning, <laughs> I was saying this to Gary before we turned the cameras on, I kind of feel that Jason might be the innocent in all this whole situation. I feel like society may have may have taken the wrong kind of angle with him because we watched Tommy drive up with his buddy to the grave to the graveyard where they've got Jason Voorhees' body, where they've buried him since the fourth movie, right? So he sure. was killed at the end of number four by yeah. by um, by younger Tommy. And then the body's been buried, and that's where it stayed. The fifth movie's happened, but that was a copycat killer. And now Tommy has left the mental institution. He didn't kill his sister. He didn't kill the woman from the mental institution at the end of number five. All he's had is nightmares. And to overcome these nightmares, he's left the institution with his buddy, and he's going to go and look at Jason's body to convince himself that Jason Voorhees is dead. Fine. I'm fine with that whole idea. What I'm against, mate, and what I'm against is you digging up the fucking corpse, opening the coffin, and then jamming a large metal rod into the fucking chest of it. Well, I mean, yeah, Tommy had a, a momentary lapse of judgment here. <laughs> momentary. But it's not surprising when you consider the trauma that Tommy has had inflicted upon him in his moments with Jason. And he, we hear the auditory flashback of young Tommy killing Jason and yeah. that's what urges him this anger this it's almost it's not even like a thought it's just a reaction that he has to seeing Jason even in this de de decrepit state you would know I mean technically though thinking about it like he only really had one interaction with Jason which was when he shaved his head and then he chopped him up with a machete you know like the whole fifth movie was somebody completely else oh yeah <laughs> you know but I, I do love this intro. I do love this setup. This is what this is a lot of the time. This is what I think of when I think of Friday the Thirteenth. You know, this the the lightning, the thunder, the graveyard. You know, we watch this rotten corpse just kind of get out of the grave. Well, first he grabs Tommy, doesn't he, and tries to pull him in the grave, but then he comes out, and they've even brought him a mask. 
Well, Tommy brought him the mask back because he yeah to throw it in the grave. But it's not to... damaged. It's a new mask. No, it's still got the crack on it. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't notice the, the crack. Yeah, but it's got the red arrow on it. Yeah. It's like oh, I'm gonna bring it back to you, and we watch it. Like I love the fact that Jason's literally got like what one eye. Yeah. You know, and his face is all kind of rotten. He is a zombie. He is. Yes. A I mean, he gets out of the grave like, like I don't know, like the mummy. Mm. You know, just like a ghoul, and slowly walks towards him. And well, he's also killed his friend at this point. Oh yeah, ripped Literally his fucking heart punched out. Punched his heart out. Yes. And I mean, th there was a great comedy moment earlier with him, but I'll get into that later because we got this. This is one of my favorite moments in the film as well, where he's already thrown the gasoline at Jason and around. And he's got the matches, and the moment he strikes the the the, the flame, yeah. The thundery showers just douse it immediately. And he just looks up at Jason like, huh? And Jason's just like, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait for you to finish. And he keeps trying to light another match in the rain. Jason's like, it's not going to light, mate. It's no, not going to light. No. So he just panics and runs. <laughs> he just leaves Jason stood there. Because yeah. he's going to race now to the cops and yeah. warn them that he's accidentally brought back this unstoppable psychopath. Yeah. It's like... He's not the hero. Tommy is not the hero. Well, he, I mean, he, he's, I mean, he is, but yeah, he's inflicted upon himself, but still he is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, how, how, how was he to know that all of a sudden Jason was going to become this supernatural resurrected zombie after he got, got Frankenstein? He would have known the backstory from like the, the second, third, and fourth movies. Well, you just told me his only interaction with Jason was the time he shaved his head and killed him. Yes, but he would have <laughs> he would have looked into it in the as he'd grown up. Yeah, he I, would have found the information of where the grave was. I mean, he would have done, but there's still no element to say that Jason was teleporting or no. was unkillable. No, true. I mean, like, I, I know that it modifies. Like, in what? Friday Friday Part 9... You know, he, he his heart gets eaten by somebody else because the Necronomicon's involved. So, like the whole storyline for this movie was just we need to bring him back. It was it not only was it bringing back Jason, but for me, this is the rebirth of the franchise. Yes, and also I will say that this film, after since the original film, feels like a movie to me. Yeah. Whereas I don't feel like the other Friday sequels. They just felt like I don't know, like. Uh, like studio mandated films that just you gotta have nudity, you gotta have teens, you gotta yeah, have yeah, yeah. a killer, and it's gotta be this, this, and this. Whereas, the, but also just the visually, those other films they don't look as professional as this one does. Oh. Uh, for me, this one just feels more like it has that film quality to I th it. I think it's the generational thing. Like with the the other ones were like early eighties, and so yeah. they still have this kind of early eighties, late seventies feel about. Sure. How yeah. Okay. Is. So yeah, you're probably right there. And then with this 1986, we're talking mid. 80s almost you know to start of the 90s so everything takes on this more vibrant colorful aspect like i felt it with like, like what you said this whole resurrection of jason now we have just got him now as a killing machine he is walking from the graveyard yeah back to the camp and everything in his path is a victim but that's what i also think like what is this film's main strength mm. is that we have uh, a protagonist, a hero character that actually has some urgency in the film yeah. because he knows Jason's alive. He's trying to warn the police. He's trying to warn everybody that Jason is back and that he's an unkillable zombie now. Yeah. And, you know, just the, the, one of the oldest horror tropes is like, the adults won't believe yeah. the kid yeah. about the monster, yeah. uh, which is fine. But it, it's, it's the fact that in all the other Friday the 13th films, it's just teens wandering around in the woods or in cabins going, hello, is anybody there? Well, that's still and, happening in this. Yeah, I know, but... 
But at least in this one, we have this through-line story of following a character trying to stop Jason from yeah. the beginning of the film. Yeah. Not in, not in the last act of the final which, girl moment. Which, you know? which, like I said, which is why I think Jason is the victim of this, because... He would never have come back. None of these campers or counsellors or or people would be murdered. You say that, but at the same time, I'm like, in my in my opinion, I mean, this is me just throwing yeah, this, this in. Right, okay. In the previous movie, the cop said that Jason Voorhees was cremated. Yeah. Jason Voorhees is dead. This body was cremated. He's nothing but a handful of ash. You know that for sure, Mayor. Were you there? Did you see him cremated? This is. And so when we find Jason's body dug up, that doesn't look like a cremated body to no, me. I know. So, or also, I'm pretty sure you don't bury cremated, but maybe no, you do. Yeah. Maybe you did with Jason. But I think the body has <laughs> reformed itself, and so the lightning hit it was just a catalyst to speed the process up. But right. Jason was already right. regenerating. But he was going to burn the body, but he didn't. He hit it with the stake first, and then he decided to burn it five minutes later. And then Jason's walking around. Jason's killing so many people. He, he can't be innocent. He did, no, and, and well, he's because he's full of anger. The guy lost his mum, and he was left to drown by counsellors. He's got a real thing against counsellors. But the paintball <laughs> sequence, I think, is... Like, I, I was sat there and I was watching this film for the review and I was thinking to myself, man, is this the one with the paintball? I can't remember if this is the one with the paintball sequence. And then you see the paintball and I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. It feels like a scene out of the police academy. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just waiting for that whimsical, stupid music to play yeah. as we watch these idiots. She's boasting that she already took out the other guy who's basically untouchable at paintball. Yeah. We catch up with him uh, later who's uh, angry that he's been shot macheteing away at the, the bushes. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Such a shiny machete. Yes. I'm like, ooh, Jason's going to get a new toy. <laughs> yeah. And he does. He tears this guy's arm off. He throws him at the tree. Blood splattered over the smiley yeah. face. And you're just like, that smiley face was in the tree before, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Right? But yeah, again, a great Jason moment where he's just looking at the machine and he's like, oh, I've got another arm. It's like he didn't know his own strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the guy playing Jason in this, CJ Graham, like he kind of gives Jason some real mannerisms. And I know like a lot of people go, well, Kane Hodder is Jason. But each one of them throughout the movies has given Jason like a little bit more as he goes along until you get just the hulking mass of flesh that we get in the latest movies. In this one, I really like the way he walks, the way he quick turns. Oh, it's yeah. like he's listening. It's like well, he's he thinking. He has his own James Bond intro it's, in yeah, this film. Yeah. And yeah, that shot in the cemetery where he turns and he's got the pole. Yeah. Oh, that is like iconic Jason visual right there. It yeah. really, really is. But a small bit of trivia for you. Apparently, right. the first actor that they got into play Jason in that cemetery scene is different to CJ Graham that we see in the rest of the film. Yeah. And they fired that Jason actor, unfortunately, because he was too fat. The producers went, that Jason, he's too bulky. Get rid of him. We need another Jason. Really? But, yeah. Which is a shame. He's uncredited, the original Jason, uh, for the for the cemetery scene anyway. Uh, but yeah, I do like the fact that they play up the zombie Jason. Mm. And he no longer sprints after people. No, he, he just, just walks, walks. Really fast. Really fast. Yeah. <laughs> and when he jumps out of the tree 
for the fucking paintballers. Like, he was waiting. Like, Jason climbed a tree and waited and then dropped down and then just triple decapitation all at once. Yeah. <laughs> he's put, when he got a new toy. Yeah, it's and he got a triple kill right yeah. out of the bat with it. But he's not done with his machete yet. Uh, he, uh, he had, I mean, we're, we're jumping the kills around here a little bit, but we catch up with two other camp counselors that are on their way to the camp. Yeah. One of them is, uh, Tony Goldwyn playing Darren. Yeah. You might recognize him from Ghost. Yeah, yeah. Or the Belko experiment. Oh, yeah, I believe yeah, yeah. he was also the voice of Tarzan as well. <laughs> uh, but this is one of his earliest film roles here. And this couple are on their way there, but they, they stop. In the middle of the road, because yeah. Jason's there. Just waiting. <laughs> yeah. How long has he been waiting there, do you think? He just teleported, just dropped right true, in. Yeah. True, And again, we get another, I guess, self-aware moment where she's like, I've seen enough horror movies to know a guy wearing a mask in the middle of the road in the middle of the night. It's a very bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go. Darren, we better turn around. Why? Because I've seen enough horror movies to know any weirdo wearing a mask is never friendly. <laughs> but Darren's like, no, no. No, no, I'll, 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 I'll take him on because Jason what nails their tire yeah, yeah. with with his with his stick, and he pulls out this tiny little pissy ass pistol. I'm like, this motherfucker's like seven feet tall. Well, to be fair, at this point, Jason has never received a gunshot wound, so. Well, I right, but I don't think it's gonna do anything, especially this tiny little pop gun. Nope. <laughs> and it doesn't. No. And he gets impaled and thrown over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And then Jason rams the pole right through the windshield of the car. Yeah. Now this was uh, they they only they said that they could only do this take once this stunt. Wow. And uh, you can see where Jason aims and where she ducks to yeah. is out of the way. But if you watch it goes through and then it follows her. And it almost Gordon stabbed her. Ooh. No safety here. Ooh. But the fact that the impact when he hits the windshield, because of the impact, it kind of took it with the force. Right, right. And it almost impaled her for real. That was also the director's then wife as well. <laughs> yeah, then. <laughs> then. Uh, but uh, she falls out of the car and Jason's like, I'm gone. I left him. I <laughs> sat there questioning, like... I know he's going to come round and he's going to stab her through the head, but it's literally like he disappeared and hid behind a tree for her to relax to then jump out again. Yeah. Now, I always blame the video games giving us the actual explanation of him teleporting because yeah. it feels like he is. But yeah, he stabs her. We watch her American Excess card floating in the mud. <laughs> Without like it. she's trying to give him money after he's impaled her fucking friend. <laughs> Still, yeah. Now, i got to bring up, at this point, the MPAA. Here to ruin every fucking person's fun in a horror movie. Right. All of the kills in this film were heavily censored and cut by the MPAA. They went, no, you can't, it's too gory. No, you can't, it's too bloody. No, you can't decapitate that person and put it in the film. So you'll notice all the kills in this film that over the moment the kill was happening. It oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah, MPAA sticking their dicks but, in. But then, in fairness, like, I... No, I'm playing devil's advocate. I kind of like that. Um, because... Like, we, up to this point in the series, we'd had Jason going around doing loads and loads of kills, and they, they were pretty sweet. But, as you said, the franchise was starting to really d dumb down. So you needed, you needed the film to have something else other than just gore and kills. Because that never... Boobs! 
Yeah, and I'm guess like... what? This is the only Friday the 13th movie without any bare boobs. Right, right, right. But you've got to have you've got to <laughs> have that stuff not in it for people to go, we, that's what makes the films great so that they'll stick it in the next one. You know, when, when franchises, they start losing money and people start stepping in and putting their fingers in. When you start losing money, that's the worst thing you can do for a franchise. And they'll always come back and go, no, we need to put more boobs in. We need more <laughs> more blood. We need more guts. I mean, we know where Jason goes to <laughs> after this. So the MPAA, good for you. <laughs> Thanks. Now, fuck off. Now, fuck off. <laughs> Let me enjoy my movie. Tommy at this point is stuck in jail. He spends a lot of this film locked up. He does. Yeah. He does. Like he go, he immediately gone to the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Garris, uh, played by David Kagan, and Sheriff Garris is like completely against this whole idea. He thinks Tommy's a madman. He thinks if he has been desecrating the body, then then it's his his fault. And he even um, heads back to the, the the sheriff heads back to the cemetery to investigate, but. You know, coincidentally, when Jason had killed Tommy's buddy, the buddy's body had fallen into Jason's coffin and they just basically threw the soil back on top of it. And that's where we get kind of the cemetery workers fourth wall break of looking at the audience going, who enjoys watching zombies come back to life? Hmm? <laughs> You're like, me? Yeah, exactly. Don't that's judge like, oh, me. The, the film knows. Some folks have a strange idea entertainment. But we've also got Megan Garris, uh, played by Jennifer Cook, and she takes a real liking to Tommy. Straight away. And of course, this angers Dad. Yeah. <laughs> now, I do like that the Dad character, he's not just the typical angry cop douchebag. Yeah, yeah. But he is actually multi-dimensional in terms that he does care for his daughter. Yeah. I like the scenes where he's arguing with his daughter and she finishes his sentences. So he's just like, <laughs> there's still a real family love there yeah despite yeah. the frictions of her being a teenage girl who's falling for the bad boy yeah. who's locked up in the prison cell but it's his fault it's tommy's fault yeah, but dad's also... right tommy is a dick for doing all this yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you get some really crazy sequences like you get this escaping car sequence where you know like they they, they get tommy out of the cell and jump in the van and they're bombing along, and, and Tommy spends a lot of his this, this ride with his face in Megan's crotch. And you do get that shot of her crotch, which she's <laughs> like, you know, she's flirting, so she's forcing his head back down. She's dodging all the cops. But then they get pulled over again, and, and Dad's right there. Yeah, with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, and throws Tommy right back into his cell again. It's like, oh. All the while this is happening, we're following Jason offing all of the counsellors. Oh, yeah. One at a time. Yeah. We follow Court. And his girlfriend, who are in the winner bango. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we've got plenty of Alice Cooper song tracks in this film, too. Yes. And uh, now this actress was originally going to be in the uh, the previous Friday the 13th film, but she refused to do nude scene. Oh, so yeah. she was let go, but brought back for this one. And again, refused nudity. She was asked. The director was also like, I don't really care if you do it or not. <laughs> We need the rules to follow. <laughs> yes. We need the sex to drink. But, drugs I was say, but Jason kills a bunch of people in this film that are not drinking, not smoking, not having sex, not doing drugs. He's oh, just, well, he's just killing it. people wherever he is on his way to Camp Crystal Lake, which has a new name now. Yeah. And of course, it being only a few years, you'd think everyone would remember 
Jason and Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, but... This is it. Like, I always started to get confused. I was confused from number four if it was still Camp Crystal Lake. And number five, we're not entirely sure if that's Crystal Lake. Number six At is least Forest Green. They don't the, even say they changed the name. One of the, one of the few Friday the 13th movies to take place on... Friday the 13th within it the is. film world. Yes, it is. I just do love that. Do you know what the date is? It's Friday the 13th. It's like, <laughs> I see what you did there, film. Well, he picked the right day to pull this shit. What do you mean? Happy Friday the 13th. So, back to uh, to court, and Jason disables the power. They, they flap around, figure out the power's been cut, it's been frayed, so they yeah. decide to flip the thing back on a battery mode and drive it out of there. <laughs> yeah. And Corn's having the time of his life driving this thing, listening to his Alice Cooper while the girl's flying <sighs> around so in the background. <laughs> of course, Jason takes this opportunity to take her into the bathroom stall and... Well, I love that. The fact that while they were out, he just snuck in and yeah. hid in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. He didn't just walk up behind to them, kill them and to... smash their faces together and just walk off. No, Jason went... Mm. It's like he he does actually make choices in this movie. Like at this part, he takes the girl and he pulls her into the toilet so that while the music's playing and the car's going all over the place, she can't he can't hear her dying. Yeah. And so Jason smashes her head through the wall and then walks out and stabs Court in the neck. In the in the ear. In the ear, that's right. Yeah, and the fucking when a bango flips over, smashes I mean you get the I'll always remember the back of the videotape box. I remember seeing it in the video store of just the image of Jason standing on top of this overturned Winnebago and me thinking like fuck how did that happen was he <laughs> driving it like <laughs> now apparently that was the very last scene shot of the movie was the was the wreck of the Winnebago cr- you know, crashing yeah uh, but I don't like it, it, it feels like um, a fart head moment here right you know where they were like let's put CJ Graham playing Jason in the Winnebago as we flip it <laughs> they didn't need to do that <laughs> Because in the next shot, Jason pops up out of the top. And I'm like, you could have done that as a separate cut. Well, it is a separate cut. He didn't need to be in there. He didn't need to nearly kill him. That's fucking amazing. I mean, <laughs> CJ Graham is not a stunt actor either. No. But he does all his own stunts in this film. Wow. which is Which is incredible. Yeah. But yeah, him jumping out on top. The smoky back background. The moonlit forest. Uh, the, the fire. And Jason on top. It's like one of the most imposing shots in the entire franchise and that uh, is just like it's a, it's a big picture i don't know about imposing i mean i like i i'm gonna jump to it now because i kind of feel like we're in that mood of discussing jason's kind of mood in this movie like did he choose not to kill the kids or was he distracted uh it was the because... d- 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 director himself said he will not have jason kill kids because jason right. has the memories of being a child at a camp. That's exactly how I feel. And that's what I mean when I feel like he is the victim. Like, Jason is this merciless killer. He could go into this room of children. And he makes it back to the camp. Well, you know, the sheriff's getting all this information being drip-fed to him. That, you know, he's got dead counsellors here. Dead counsellors there. People are missing here. You know, Tommy's still going on. That Jason Voyes is walking around. So he's got to go and investigate what's going on. And Jason makes his way back to the camp. Kills a couple of counsellors there. And then, and they've got kids. All these fucking kids have turned up to enjoy the campness. And um, they, they're all in bed. And one of them I thought was quite a funny in-joke was there's this little kid called Nancy. Who's having bad dreams. Who's having bad <laughs> dreams. And that there's a, this evil man in her dream chasing her. And they're like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. And she's the one who's kind of confronted by Jason because he literally walks into the bunk where all the kids are sleeping. They're all, they're all lying in their bed. He doesn't 
do anything with any of them, but she's awake and he turns and he looks at her. And I think that's a great shot of the turn and the kind of just the stare down because you yeah. can't see Jason's eyes because of the mask. Um, but then the cops are immediately there. And so Jason hears the cops and goes off. He could have killed the kids. He chose not to yeah. because of his memories. And so that, in a way, makes him... like I know it doesn't make him innocent because <laughs> he's a murdering psychopath. But he's choosing not to kill a kid. So he's killed so many <laughs> other people. I don't care. Because everybody else fucked him over. He kills camp counsellors because they made it let him drown and killed his mum. He kills cops because all they've ever done is attacked him on sight. Don't get me wrong. I root for Jason in the majority of the movies too. But when Jarvis is involved, I'm like, come on, Jarvis. Deal with this. Deal with this zombie, will you? Come on, Jarvis. And we see him. He's driving around. He's got like books of the occultism. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's just turning to the first chapter like, okay, how do I deal with this? <laughs> Next time we see him it's like i got a plan i know how to stop jason i need the police's help i need you to go and get me these supplies okay tommy well this is it like he plans to drown jason at the place of his creation or his first death i get maybe so what was he doing at the beginning to set him up set the body on fire well, he, he needed well, he wasn't a zombie a resurrected occult zombie at that point was he he was just a corpse He's still a corpse. He's just walking around. So while he was trying to run around and warn everybody, he was also trying to teach himself about zombies and mysticism. I don't know. All right. Okay. Well, it's just building up lore for the film, isn't it? Yeah. We, of course, catch back with one of the other counsellors. She ends up getting pulled out of the window. Her head gets twisted off and we find her decapitated head later. great kill. We follow this other character who was putting the other children to bed. I quite liked her. She was fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she she dies off screen. Well, she gets a blood splat across the window. And she gets thrown through it then thrown back into the room. And he fucking chops her up. Like, the room is a like, yeah, exactly. But I think it's good, like I said, with the MPAA, they were like, look, you can't have gory kills. So it's like, right, we can't show the bodies, but we can at least show yeah. them. I think it was like, I think his name was Roy, the other paintballer. We never saw what happened to him. Oh, yeah. And the cops also find all of his mutilated limbs. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like geez, Jason, like, man. Jesus. <laughs> Kill him, yeah, but he's hacking, he's hacking him to pieces. And the kill on the, the cops are pretty good. Like, one of them takes a dagger to that. Like, Jason's hiding behind a tree. And then steps out and nails the fucking cop in the eye with a dagger. Yeah. Um, like he, he was it? He, he stabs one of them and then he crushes her Megan's dad like in half. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> now I want to bring up something that the film does really, really well. And again, it is like you might not be aware of it, but if right. you've seen the film many times, you you see all of these jokes that are there in 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 the script or in the edits in the filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, Going back to what I was saying earlier with the friend at the cemetery where, where they're digging up Jason. He's like, I don't know if my heart can take much more of this. <laughs> and then, yeah, gets punched through the heart. Yeah. The, the cemetery, the, the caretaker, yeah, when yeah. he's wandering around drunk and he's drinking from his bottle and he's like, oh, you will be the death of me. <laughs> he throws it in the air. Jason grabs it, breaks it and stabs him with it straight away. So it's like, yeah. nice little yeah, moment nice, there. Nice. Does he think I'm a fart head? And it cuts to all the kids going, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does he think I'm a fart head? <laughs> yeah! uh, when uh, when when the cop gets killed with the with the, the the dart to the neck or to the head, yeah. The very next cut is to a dartboard. It is. It's great, great moment. Uh, there's another one where Jason is on the RV after he's just killed the two teens. Yeah. And it cuts to the sheriff going, "What makes you so high and mighty?" 
<laughs> and it's just like the film is littered with these yeah. and there, there's so many of them like it happens so quickly you might not be aware of the, the 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 cuts or the match cuts or the edits or the jokes but it's it's just great just yeah. great and like i said none of this takes the piss out of jason no no but it keeps the film light and that what the director said he wanted to make it entertaining and that is what's achieved here i, I think i think that that really works well because it's a nice you don't realise it's kind of a comedy horror until you really look back at it. But there are just moments where you're like, oh, that kill looked awesome, even though you didn't really see anything. Then there's a joke and you're like, ha ha ha. And then there's another <laughs> kill and you're like, oh my God. It's like, yeah, nice, nice healthy balance. So Tommy and Megan have turned up at the camp. They've realised that obviously some of the counsellors are dead. And they're realising that Megan's dad's uh, missing as well. And Tommy has just come up with the idea that he's going to get a really big boulder, uh, chain and put the chain around it. And if he can get the chain around Jason's neck, he's going to just drown him in the lake. Or just, uh, or anchor him, yeah. I suppose, because he, he doesn't breathe. Um, and he lures Jason out. And you get that wonderful shot of Jason just literally walking into the water. Yeah. You know, even though Freddy versus Jason would completely, like, you know, break that. because Yeah, Jason's afraid of water now, yeah. Jason's afraid of water. But he just literally walks down and then he sets fire to the lake. You know, so you got all this wonderful camp imagery. That, like, if you've been following it for six movies... End of the movie is mainly just ended on a lake, on a boat. And here we have our hero. Jason comes up out of the water. They have their tussle. The, all, all the kids on the lake watching as well. And Megan's watching. He gets pulled down into the water. And, like, he manages to get the chain around his neck. And like I said, like, I like I, I, I jest when I say Jason is the innocent. You know, we want Tommy to win. But the fact that... Jason kind of keeps him down under there as well. It does give you the idea that Tommy could die here as well. Well, he kind of does. Yeah. He drowns. They both kind of drown here. And uh, they both float. Float. Uh, but of course, yeah, she runs in, rescues him. Uh, actually, not straight away. She gets on the... She goes to rescue him, but she realizes Jason's still alive. Yeah. She activates the boat, and then she blends him up mm -hmm. in the engine. Yeah. In, well, the, in the propeller blades. The propeller blade like, slits his throat or hits a juggler blade, and he just kind of fucks up. Yeah. He? Temporarily dead again. Yeah. But yeah, she 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 grabs Tommy, gets him onto onto land, and resuscitates him, and all the kids are like, yay! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and Tommy has his last moment, like he's finally been defeated, and you're like, ah, it's the end of the franchise. Cut to Jason's eyeball still looking around in the surroundings. He's like, how do I get out of this? God damn it. Pull yourself down and walk along the fucking bottom. Yeah, drag the rock along with you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a satisfying ending. Yeah. But, like, I know the franchise continues way beyond this point. But it, we never see Tommy Jarvis again. He's never really mentioned again. Mm. And I honestly think, like, there, there needs to be, there needs to be a 13th. Friday the 13th. And I would love for them to bring back this actor. Yeah. To play Tommy again. And actually just make a sequel to this one. Where he goes back to the lake. Where he's left Jason floating there. Again, to make sure that Jason is dead. And he like he did at the start of this And he song. accidentally fucking accidentally <laughs> resurrects him no, somehow. No, Jason's already gone. Like, oh, yeah. He's already gone this Teens time. Teens have done it. They've accidentally... Yeah, it's ah. one of the, something else has happened. Yeah. I don't know. Jason's protecting his weed garden from the remake. I don't know. But uh, just something like I, I think that I think it's a great premise and setup. I know I know it's been done, but this film's just done it. But yeah, like they have to make a thirteenth one. I think I, I'm trying to remember. I think uh, Jason goes to hell. There are little nods, like in 
Like, it's been a long time since I've seen that. Yeah, like. yeah, but I remember you got the bounty hunter, and he talks about the, the only way to defeat a Voorhees, you know, because he keeps because Voorhees keeps yeah. coming back, you know, and they've got the Necronomicon, because supposedly Voorhees' mum had been involved sure. in that. But I'm pretty sure he hints that Tommy had tried to defeat him. Like there was actually um, to go off on another tangent, there mm. was an idea that they had in the original script of this film, where the reason why we find out that Jason has a burial, why it was paid for. Mm. Jason Voorhees' dad was going to make a very small Daddy appearance. Daddy Voorhees. Daddy Voorhees. It's a plot line that has not existed in any of the movies. They obviously, they, they wanted true. it, but they were like, it's too much to bring in Daddy Voorhees right now when we're resurrecting Jason. I... So we'll push Daddy Voorhees away and it never got picked up I've again. I've always believed that Jason's dad was Sloth from the Goonies. Oh, <laughs> Ian, what are your favourite scenes from Friday the 13th Part 6? Oh man, like I just had such fun with this movie. I mean, I, I I could say all of the kills, all of the kills were just really, really great. You know, like we said, the Winnebago flipping over and him standing on top of it is such a wonderful sequence. Uh, him crushing the cop in half, like just the kills. You're just looking for those special effect moments. And Shall I just recount all the kills for the film? Yeah, yeah, go on there. Knock <laughs> all <them> right. out. <laughs> we start with the heart punch. Then we get impaled and thrown. Then we get the head stab and drowned. Then we get an arm ripped off and impaled by a tree. Yeah. Followed by the triple decapitation. We get the double machete impalement on the bike. Nice. We get the face smashed through the bathroom wall. Yeah. The knife in the head. We find the severed limbs. We get the head twisted off. We get smashed through a window and then shredded. We get a dart to the head. Followed by a head crush a backbreaker, and then a double drowning, if we include Jason or Tommy, or neither, because neither die. Yeah. But they both drowned. Man, that, <laughs> like, just that list alone is 18 just kills. So satisfying. And, I mean, I, I, I'll finish off my favourite scenes just by saying that that resurrection sequence at the beginning is just I iconic... Jason Voorhees, you know, I have my moments with Michael and I have my moments with Freddy, but when Jason comes back in number six, even with that silly James Bond thing at the start, it's, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, all the kills, very memorable in this film. Even though the MPAA had their wicked way with the film, mm -hmm. the uh, the ideas are there. Your imagination carries on those few extra seconds that we know were in there. They are in the extended or deleted scenes on the discs. Yeah, If yeah. you buy the collection, you can see all the gory goodness. Uh, but yeah, the atmospheric moody opening, the cinematography there, the resurrection of Jason Lives, that turn in pose, the eye shot, is fantastic. I love it. One of my favourite sequences in the entire franchise. Mm. I love the, the couple in the, the Volkswagen Beetle yeah. uh, and, and the horror reference there. Great, great moment. Um, I love the caretaker turning to the camera and saying, some folk have a strange idea of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Great, great nod. Um... Jason's triple kill with the machete, it's, even though we don't see the heads roll. Uh, great, great moment. The James Bond intro. I've got, I've got to bring up Harry Manfredini's composer score. Yeah. is absolutely on form. He's, it's one of those unifying things about all of the movies is the music is a constant. Yes. They don't mix and match it up in every different film, but it remains. And it makes you feel like you're watching a Friday the 13th film, regardless of quality. His score is great. Don't shoot, please. You in show business, kid? You sure know how to make an entrance. Back to the cemetery scene again. 
just as Tommy's about to light the match and the thunder and lightning hits and Jason's reaction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gold. Comedy gold right there. <laughs> Ian, do you recommend Jason Lives? I definitely recommend uh, Jason Lives. I think just, like I said, the, the Tommy Jarvis section of the Friday the Frame franchise, it just kind of really gives it that, if we didn't have Tommy Jarvis, I don't think the franchise could have lasted as long as it did, you know, because we needed a hero to step in to try to take on this immortal undead zombie. I think Gary is absolutely right. I think we need to bring Tommy Jarvis back again for him to take on. Maybe a, a, a you know reimagining of the character or bringing the actor back. Hey, bring Tom Matthews back as the dad of Tommy Jarvis. You know, and he's got Tommy Jarvis Jr. with him. I, I, I don't know. I just know that... You know, after once I finished this film and I was ready for the review, I wanted to watch the psychic one, even though it's stupid, because it kind of follows on from this movie. I wanted to go to Manhattan because it's just more Jason. But a lot of the times I'll just go back to young Corey Feldman again and start Tommy Jarvis all over again. Sure. Yeah, I'm hands down absolutely recommending Jason Lives. I think this is the best Jason movie and the best Friday the 13th in the franchise. They really started to have fun with this instalment. The jokes, the edits, the the leap to undead supernatural Jason. It has a fresh energy and a more involved story or plot with actual character urgency. I felt earlier instalments stagnated. This one rejuvenated the franchise. Jason needed to come back. And in this, they do it well and in style. Great, great resurrection. There are some good kills in this. However, they are overly censored or cut away soon, but they are inventive and brutal, and not always bloody, but effective. The makeup and effects are great, and Jason really looks like the icon of slasher films here. Great cinematography, awesome sets, and well edited with a great score by Harry Manfredini, coupled with Alice Cooper. All the actors are fine, and Tom Matthews was great in the lead role, delivers the part well, made it his own, and carries it well. There might be no nudity, but it makes up for it in every other department. This is a fun horror comedy where they take Jason seriously, provide plenty of kills, and ends the Tommy Jarvis trilogy of movies, despite not the ending of Jason. There will always be new blood. (laughs) As nothing evil ever dies. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. Some folks have a strange idea of entertainment.